Would you pray with me, please? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and inspire. Come and encourage. Come and shake us up for your glory and for the blessing of those around. So come, Holy Spirit. Come with grace and power. Just come. Amen and amen. I brought with me today a water bottle. What do you see? What's written on the front of this water bottle? Can you see it? What does it say? Well, in case you can't read it, it says Dasani, purified water, enhanced with minerals for a pure, fresh taste. But this side of the bottle, it doesn't say that at all. It says 100% recyclable. It says produced in the United States of America. Where you stand determines what you see. Today as we talk about race and faith, I'm inviting us into a journey whereby we purposefully enter into the realm of a person who experiences life very differently from us. There's a Bible verse from the prophet Hosea. And like all the prophets, there are many things about our day that is very similar to theirs, and yet there are differences. But there are a lot of similarities as well. And there was a lot of us and them. And there was, how do I trust the other going on in Hosea's day? And God, through the prophet, said, my people are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want to confess to you right from the beginning that this topic of racism and faith and learning to live in peaceful community with one another is a hill upon which I am willing to die. But I also want you to know that I come to this conversation confessing a lot of ignorance. I lack knowledge, as God said through the prophet. And it's not because most of us are willfully saying, I'm not going to enter into the realm of another person and see life from their perspective. It's not because we're stupid. It's not for any reason other than we just are genuinely ignorant. If you're like me, that's my journey. But I want to grow. I want to do better when it comes to this topic of what it means to see life from a different perspective. Today I'm inviting you to move to the other side of the bottle, so to speak, so that we can hear and see and feel what others whose skin color is different from ours is seeing, hearing, and feeling. There's a Baptist pastor. He wrote an article recently. His name is Reverend Timothy Peoples. He was speaking about the African-American experience for him. And it was as if he reached through that paper and grabbed my heart and squeezed it. It was as if he reached through that paper and grabbed my soul and shook it. 
He says, and I quote, in my first grade, my mother gave me the talk. Every black mother has given this talk to her son. It's pretty much universal in black households in the United States. It begins, at least in my experience and that of others in my family, with the mother discerning whether her son is ready for this news because she knows that this just might shatter his world. My mother got down on my level, kissed me on the cheek, and with tears in her eyes said, Baby, you are a black boy in a white man's world. And she was very intentional. Very intentional to say, boy versus man. She continued, that's all you will ever be to many people, is a black boy. When they see you, they will assume trouble. They may even deny you a future. And I know this might seem degrading, but there are some things you have to do for mama when approached by a white man, especially those that are powerful. The first few times my mother delivered the talk, Reverend People said, I would say something like this. Mama, I'm different. They won't hurt me. I'm nice. I'm polite. I'm cute. And she would say back, you're all mama's got. And I would start crying with her. This hard truth became more apparent to me my sophomore year of high school when one morning I missed the bus and needed my father to take me to school. We rushed out the door, but just as soon as we pulled onto the street of the school, the cops pulled us over. In the rush, my father had forgotten to pick up his wallet atop the kitchen table. Now, our family had lived in this small town in Oklahoma since the 30s. Everybody knew us. But this day, I guess the police officers forgot who we were. They forcefully grabbed my father out of the car. They threw him to the ground. They cuffed him and held him in the county jail for days. Just enough time for him to lose his job for being a no-show. Fifteen years later, I still hear my father's voice while lying on the asphalt telling me to run on to school that he would be okay. And 15 years later, I still bear the guilt that it was my fault. If I had just awoken five minutes earlier that morning, I would not have missed the bus. These conversations with my mom continued after high school, usually with just a few protests from me. But mama, I'm a first-generation college student. I have an Ivy League degree. I have good credit. And she would always say, all they see is your black skin. He goes on to say, all I can think is that George Floyd's mother had given him the universal black sun talk, perhaps multiple times. Maybe he had responses like mine, or maybe not. But in those last breaths on May 25th in Minneapolis, with his face pressed to the pavement and a police officer's knee pressed to his neck, he cried out to his mama, perhaps signifying that she was right and knowing that we black men are only safe in our mother's arms. Are you willing to see life from another person's perspective? 
That's the invitation today. We are in crisis in the United States of America. And in crisis, what do we do? We always go back to the basics. And I want to suggest to you this morning that we need to recalibrate our souls. And so the scriptures that have been read for you this morning so poignantly and powerfully speak to our day as we recalibrate our souls. Look at the Genesis passage. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So what did God do? God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I typically preach pointless sermons. <laughs> but I'm going to give you three points today if you're a note-taking kind of person. Here's point number one. We must remember that every person, every human being, is a person of sacred worth. For those of you who do not come from the Methodist tradition, let me tell you something that is distinctively Methodist. We have a high view of humanity even though we have a higher view of God. But we have a high view of humanity. And why is that important? If you have a low view of humanity, if you believe that humanity is simply the scum of the earth or a worm crawling around on the dirt, is it any wonder then that you would not feel badly about treating a person different from you with disrespect, with dishonor. We have a high view of humanity. Even though we have a higher view of God, we have a high view of humanity. That's why Psalm 8 that was read is so incredibly powerful for me. I read it often. O Lord, our Lord, our, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. That is language from ancient days that basically say that God uses babies as a way of showing the world the glory of God, the wonder of God, the beauty of God, the awe of creation. And then the psalmist says, When I look at your heavens, O God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established or made, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? And all of that is ancient language that says, O God, you made this universe, and yet you made human beings. And not only did you make human beings, but you created them individually and uniquely, and they're so amazing. And when I think about the fact that the God who created the universe is the God who created humanity, but the God who created the universe and humanity is the God who made you and me. It's individual. Oh, we have a high view of humanity, even though we have a higher view of God. And then the psalmist goes on to say, yet you have made them human beings a little lower than God. 
and you have crowned them with glory and honor. Did you hear that? A little lower than God, a little lower than the angels, as one version says, just a little bit. Oh, the psalmist is saying, human beings created in the image and likeness of God are persons of sacred worth. Every person on planet Earth, every person is created in the image and likeness of God. Now, let me tell you that God loves diversity. <laughs> and I don't have time in this sermon, but sometime I want to share with you, either in a classroom or from the pulpit, how God introduced persons of color into the world. It's right there in the Bible. It's more often than not overlooked, but it's of God that there is diversity. Red, brown, yellow, black and white. Oh, parents, please teach your children that God loves diversity. I love this acrosity for diversity. I'd encourage you to write it down. What is diversity? It's different individuals valuing each other regardless of skin color, intellect, talent, or years. Let me say it again. Diversity is different individuals valuing each other regardless of skin color, intellect, talent, or years. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. Point number one, we must remember that every human being is a person of sacred worth and that God loves and values diversity. Our daughter Grace, being home this summer from KU, makes an amazing salad. We eat it as often as we can or as often as she's willing to make it. It has spinach and feta cheese and blueberries and strawberries and raspberries and a unique vinaigrette. It's delicious. But if we took that salad and put it in the blender and pureed it, what's lost? What's lost is the diversity. What's lost is the unique flavor of spinach or the unique flavor of cheese or the unique texture of blueberries. You get my point. We don't want a pareed world. We want a diverse world coexisting together in a beautiful expression of God's creation. So point number two, we must renounce racism, injustice, and evil. As I shared in my column this past week in the e-newsletter, on a regular basis, I have to ask myself the question, Jeff, do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I need to ask myself that question on a regular basis. It helps me maintain my awareness. So let's talk about racism. And I'm going to give you six definitions of racism. And I'm going to go through them rather quickly. If you want the slides, I'll be happy to share them. First one, racism is learned behavior. Nobody is born a racist. Cycles of racism, because it's learned behavior, can be broken. That's incredibly good news. 
Secondly, racism is believing that one race is superior and one race or others are inferior. Thirdly, it's prejudice toward another person. The word prejudice means prejudging. As Dr. King used to say, please don't judge someone by the color of their skin. If you're going to judge them, judge them by the content of their character. Number four, racism is one of the most persistent and destructive evils. That was spoken by the late great Pope John Paul II. Fifthly, racism is a social sin. It is a personal sin, but it's also a social sin. That is, it's not only committed by individuals, but is part of the social structure in which all Americans live. And I, as a white male, I have to acknowledge my own participation in it. Because I benefit from white privilege. Father James Martin was the one who said that. That's my journey as well. The more I go to the other side of the bottle, if you will, and I enter into the lives of those who are different from me, I will become more aware of my own white privilege. Number six, racism violates the Great Commission. The gospel lesson that was read today, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. What did Jesus say? I want you to go into... No, he commanded us. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. No, that's not the original Greek word. It's ethne, from which we get the word ethnic. Jesus was very distinctly commanding us to go into the world. And the world means all nations. But the word Ethne means every ethnic group. It is Jesus' vision that the body of Christ, the universal church, is to be composed of people from all ages, nations, and races. That's God's design. This last November, when we were touring and on pilgrimage in the Holy Land, we went to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. It's a very painful place to visit, but so important. Because as you enter into the lives of those who were exterminated, it's easier to read about it in the history books, but when you actually see human hair and shoes and clothes of children especially, it becomes very personal. The last thing I want today is for you to think that Jeff gave an intellectual sermon on racism. I want us to make that 18-inch journey from the head to the heart and for us to be decisive in our commitment to enter into the world of those who are different from us to enter into their lives, to see and feel and hear 
what they see and feel and hear on a daily basis. Which leads me to my last point. We can only achieve the good and beautiful community, as Dr. J calls it, or the beloved community, as Dr. Martin Luther King called it. We can only experience the beautiful diversity of God's creation working and living and loving together when we return to Jesus, who is at the center. If I'm at the center, it's not going to work. If you're at the center, it's not going to work. If anybody is at the center other than the person of Jesus, this beautiful community will never be realized. The Apostle Paul put it this way, we are ambassadors for Christ, for God is reconciling the world unto himself, and therefore we have been entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation. And if you and I make the commitment to follow Jesus, he will most assuredly lead us into those places where people live who are very different from ourselves. I've been touched by this story that I read that perhaps you read as well about this African-American woman, a parole officer, who gave her life to serve those that had been imprisoned. Lo and behold, she's appointed to be the parole officer for a young man named Michael Kent. Her name is Tiffany Whittier. You can see their picture on the screen. She's appointed to be the parole officer for a white supremacist. He was a neo-Nazi with two swastikas tattooed to his body. On the back, he had tattooed white power, white pride. He spent 20 years in a very violent white supremacist group in Arizona. Tiffany Whittier said, and I quote, my job is not to judge him. My job is to make a difference in his life. She loved him into the kingdom. She prayed him into the kingdom. She was an ambassador for Christ. And guess what he did? He had his tattoos removed. When you and I make a decision to return to Jesus and put him at the center, we become ambassadors for Christ. We become ministers of reconciliation. Do you remember how the gospel lesson closed? Jesus said, Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he's with us in life, and he's with us in death, and he's with us in life after death, and he's with us in the ministry of reconciliation so that we might know that we're not alone. It's God's work 
but he needs our hands. Are you willing to be a minister of reconciliation? Lord, make us instruments of your peace where there is hatred. Let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen and on.